All right, welcome to Six Inch Football. I'm your host, Alex Strinkline, and today we got a very special guest. If you could introduce yourself. Yeah, um, I'm Ramsey Abushal. I'm the editor of uh, UrbanPitch.com. Uh, street, uh, street soccer, uh, futsal, uh, just all type of uh, uh, soccer and urban culture um, website. Um, and we, we were an online publication. So could you just tell us a little brief uh your story, your soccer story? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's kind of interesting because I didn't really grow up playing. I played uh, AYSL when I was like six and seven, but um, I shifted to baseball and played um, throughout college. Um, and so that was kind of like my main my main focus. And obviously I, I, lo I loved all sports, but uh, soccer was just kind of at the at the periphery of uh, you know the the sports I would play and 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 watch as well. Um, so um, out of college, I you know I wanted to find a job um, uh, writing writing anywhere, especially uh, for for sports. So I was doing some freelance gigs here and there, and uh, just trying to find any any possible outlet that I could uh, uh, write for. And so I came across Urban Pitch and. Um, I didn't really know much about soccer. I wasn't a huge fan, but uh, what kind of uh, drew me to it was the cultural side of, of the game, right? Because you don't really have that with um, uh, a lot of other sports where, you know, that's, it's so um, uh, intertwined with, with art, fashion, music, um, and, and, and all of that. It's, it's just kind of like its own world outside of, uh, you know, the confines of the stadium. So. Um, I started doing, you know, a couple of culture stories for, for the site and then uh, started following soccer more, um, you know, started paying attention to, to MLS and, and uh, you know, the European leagues. And I've, uh, you know, slowly become more of a fan. And obviously now I'm, I'm, I'm watching, probably not watching as much as I should be, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching, you know, whatever's going on, whether it's the, uh, you know, the ongoing MLS is back term and then NWSL I went to France for the, uh, Women's World Cup last last summer with my girlfriend. Um, so, um, you know, I've just kind of it, – it, it's not, you know, the traditional um, uh, soccer background where, you know, you grow up, uh, you know, idolizing these, these, these stars, especially, you know, in my childhood, there's um, a lot of – you know, whether it's Zidane, Thierry Henry, or uh, uh, any of those guys growing up um, that I wish I would have uh, – grown up watching because it's kind of like the golden age right but even yeah. with you know Ronaldinho and, and, and R9 Ronaldo but uh you know now I'm, I'm just trying to do my, my homework and and uh, pretend to be as knowledgeable as possible when I'm uh when I'm talking to people and, and and doing stories and stuff so it's kind of like an ongoing uh um evolution in terms of you know my soccer knowledge and uh, fandom so before before we get on to the questions, you want to plug your Instagram, your social media, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, you can follow Urban Pitch, Urban dot Pitch on Instagram, and Urban underscore Pitch on Twitter. Uh, we we post different stories, uh, you know, on on the cultural side of, of the beautiful game. Um, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we have a newsletter, and then my personal stuff. I'm the Abu Shala um, on Instagram, and then Lubapino on uh, on Twitter. And quick, I'm gonna have to do my plug. Uh, me and my friend have a podcast called Bros and Sports Talks. Bros and Sports Talk, and we're actually we're doing better than your podcast, your little FaceTime <laughs> podcast. We got like hundred views on our video. So, oh man, you're throwing shots already. 
all right it's oh, all good damn. though um <laughs> but check it out it's me and my friend we're just talking about some sports so That's i guess funny. we're gonna change change the subject a little bit um yeah i guess just some a little bit of news mostly uh premier league news william is supposed to go to arsenal uh from he's played for chelsea he's supposedly gonna sign a three-year deal and can paid like a good hundred thousand a week so i think that's that if you do the math up to a year it's like a good 10 million to like 16 million but it's interesting of Williams kind of an uh, older player, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and a lot of people were, were kind of questioning that move uh, on Twitter I saw, um, especially with Arsenal kind of laying off a bunch of their staff members um, in the front office. But, uh, I mean, you got to realize, um, I mean, people are, are trained to kind of blame, blame the players, right? Um, there's a whole culture of, you know, um, our players overpaid and stuff and you know you can get into uh, all the uh, the arguments and stuff but um you got to realize i mean at the end of the day like the the owner himself is i mean uh, a billionaire and uh you know the, they're all about making their 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 bottom line and and um uh the business side of of sports is is kind of uh, depressing well when you really get into it and stuff but um uh, i just i just hope people can understand you know that while regardless of if you know guys like William are being overpaid uh it's it's important to not blame blame him for the the uh layoffs of of staff members because i mean um if they really wanted to keep him uh you know you could he probably would be able to do that with with his net worth at, uh, wherever i think it's like eight billion or something like that i mean that's just insane uh, um but you know, it is what it is, whether you think the players are overpaid or not. Um, we'll see how that, that move plays out for, for the Gunners. So the French club, I don't really know how to pronounce them, but Lillet, they're trying to, they signed Jonathan David, the Canadian Wunder kid for 30 million, which Jonathan David, he was going, he, they said he was going to go to United or Arsenal. So uh, he's also been... No, but, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, he's also teamed up with Tim Weah, the American Wonder Kid. So yeah, be an interesting partnership. Yeah, I think I think it's Lille. Lille. I, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on that uh, pronunciation. Um, but yeah, it's always great to see uh, young guys, especially uh, uh, North America. We we got a couple. I mean, whether it's Alfonso Davies or uh, Tim Weah, or a couple of these other young guys who are getting um, um, transferred uh, overseas to Europe. Um, it's always exciting to see um, uh, young guys getting their shot. And um, especially with the uh, World Cup coming up uh, out here in a couple of years, um, obviously we'd like to see the home sides uh, go far with some young talent. We're going to move on to some city news. They're going to sign Ake the, from Bournemouth, the big old guy from, um, really from originally from Chelsea. Uh, I think he, also for thirty million, um, so I think it's that's all right deal. He's a decent center back. Yeah, they're chasing they're chasing Liverpool, um, and I think it's going to be a couple of years of uh, of a pretty heated rivalry between uh, those two those two teams at the top of the prem. But um, we'll see. I mean, both teams have loads of money, and they're they're willing to spend it. So uh, uh, the arms race is, is starting to, to heat up a little bit. 
Well, I, and I also think it well, this deal specifically, it's good because City just lost a decent young center back, Garcia to Barca mm-hmm. for a free agent deal. So, but, so who do you support, like, as a team? You got yeah. So, so, so that's that's a good question. Um, I so part of my kind of, um, uh, I guess. Uh, I, I said earlier that, you know, I don't watch as much as I should. And, and part of that is because I don't really align myself with a certain team. I, I like the way a lot of teams play. Um, uh, and then, f- so for me, it's just been hard to, to kind of commit to a certain team, right? Because uh, you have teams, like I love watching Liverpool play. I mean, uh, and who doesn't, uh, unless you're a fan of, you know, one of the rivals. But um, I mean, watching them is, is just incredible. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to, uh, be lumped on as a bandwagon or anything like that. Um, so there's there's that angle of, of who you love to play. I mean, City is always, always great to play. I mean, Pep, Pep has him. Uh, the way he, he strategizes and stuff like that is, is, is incredible. Um, and then on the other side, you have like the, the historical uh, the historical side. And, and um, obviously there's a lot of teams with, with a lot of great history with um, – Manchester United and Arsenal being two of them that I've kind of uh, been drawn to with some of the uh, um, not only the, the great players have uh, have taken the pitch in, in their jerseys but the jerseys themselves. I mean, I've uh, that's one thing that I've kind of um, fallen victim to over the the last few years as I've been uh, doing the urban pitch thing is um, I started collecting jerseys and um, obviously Arsenal and Man U have some of the best um, if you're talking '90s kits with, with some of the Umbro and, and Adidas stuff that they had. Uh, back in the day. So um, it's been hard for me to pick a, a Premier League team. Um, but I, I need I just need to jump in and, and, and do it. I think uh, <laughs> over the past couple of years, you know, a lot of people have been uh, trying to recruit me and stuff. But um, uh, I think I it's just I think a lack of commitment on my part that I, I just need to figure out. <laughs> so going on with the um, you, you picking a team, so ownership of teams is a big deal. You see it with yeah. Bundesliga teams, with fan-owned teams. You see it with Premier League teams, with big um, Chinese investment companies buying them. What's your take on that? Do you like the, corporat- the corporatization of soccer? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, like, uh, w- even with, with City, uh, you know, the um, – uh, I think it was a Qatari group that, that purchased them um, uh, a few years back. And you've seen kind of the uh, revitalization in the early 2010s and and, and to now. Um, So, you know, there's obviously a lot of pluses that go into uh, the large amount of, uh, of, of cash that comes with a new gigantic ownership group. But uh, I think you take a look at um, uh, what some of the smaller teams um, have been able to do with, with their fan fan owned uh, clubs. Um, Obviously the whole Bundesliga is, is like that. I did a story um, a couple of weeks ago on um, um, Pinsgau in uh, Austria. There's a small third division side that's um, that's uh, trying to get uh, uh, fans in the United States to to buy some shares uh, of the club. Uh, Detroit City FC um, out here stateside, which just went professional uh, this year with uh, Nisa. Uh, they just announced that they're being a fan fan owned club. So I think. In that sense, I think it's it's uh, really really awesome to see fans um, becoming involved in clubs, taking stock into what the fans have to say. Because um, 
as a, as a fan of the game, you want to feel important and, you know, you love rooting on for a team, but it, it seems pointless when it's, it's owned by a gigantic conglomerate of, of millionaires and billionaires that don't really care about what you think or, or what, what you have to say. But I mean, um, so, I mean, I get, I get the positives of having those, those, um, um, those owners and what they bring to the game. Um, but, you know, from like a purist fan, like romantic sports uh, guy, um, the fan owned, I, I kind of uh, find myself leaning to the uh, ideals of uh, having a fan owned club and, and, and giving that power to the, uh, the, the fans themselves. I'm going to have to pause real quick. Okay, we're back. Quick, uh, I guess, uh, hydration break. <laughs> say. Um, on the, my take, I think that clubs, I like, I want clubs to have an identity, whether it's with the city, city football group and all their teams. Like, I think that's a good identity. Um, you can see it with smaller teams like Detroit FC, like what you're talking. But what I don't like is teams that don't have an identity. Like it's my team, the car Rapids, they don't really have an identity or like, um, even like Cincinnati FC, I don't really know their identity, but I've seen a lot of clubs in MLS have like good identities, like Atlanta United and LAFC, their identity, mm -hmm. they're almost, it's a party club. Like, yeah, sport. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, LAFC, they did a really, really good job of uh, listening to their fans, whether it was with uh, the uh, design of the, the badge or, um, you know, the way that they have their, the fan section set up in, in the stadium. Um, so I think they did a really, really good job of kind of um, taking that whole identity and uh, fan uh, fan base into uh, into account when they were starting up the team. And they had obviously they had a big advantage with, um, you know, being the new kids. They could observe and see, you know, what was going right, what was going wrong. Um, and I think, you know, uh, what you said, I mean, identity, club identity is very important. Um, and whether you do have a uh, uh, gigantic uh, uh, group behind it or it's, it's fan centered, um, you know, it's, it's important to have as, as a club. And you think about, I mean, what PSG has done over the past couple of years with, with the whole uh, off pitch uh, fashion and, and, and culture that they've been able to, to dip their feet into. Um, and that was uh, a, concerted effort from their ownership group which is another um you know uh multi-billionaire multi-billion uh dollar group so um you know you can do it with or or it comes from you, you know an oligarchs uh um you can do it so like you said i mean i think cincinnati fc they they've got a great fan base um i think just uh, them kind of getting called up and not having a great team has, has hurt them a little bit. But, you know, th there are a lot of teams in MLS that are starting to, to kind of get it and, and um, appeal to the fans for, for better or for worse, uh, whether it's jersey designs, uh, uh, fan incentive, uh, 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 whatever fan nights that they have at the stadium when, they, when they're allowed to have fans, um, being inclusive about supporters groups. Um, all this stuff, I think, is is great for, especially in America, where, uh, you know, soccer is still kind of uh, the little brother sport um, in terms of uh, when compared to basketball, baseball, and football. But, um, 
as, as the sport grows, I think um, just introducing people to the unique um, things that come with soccer that you don't see in any other sport with supporters groups, with the chants that go on in the stadiums, with, you know, the pregame tailgates that go on um, uh, before and after the game. Um, I think that kind of stuff is what uh, drew me in as, as someone kind of like on the outside who didn't, you know, wasn't a diehard that didn't have uh, uh, a huge soccer background. So I think if it, if it can draw me in, it can draw anyone in that loves sports. So uh, that's when I kind of uh, sell to people, to my friends who, who don't really uh, get soccer or, or anything like that. And, and it, it's worked to a certain extent. So um, as the culture starts to establish itself and, and move forward, especially in the States, I think um, it's, it's only good for, uh, for us uh, soccer in the future i mean whether or not that's going to make our, our soccer teams better is is another thing but um i think just establishing establishing it itself as a sport in the states will make a difference um uh, regardless for sure um so i got a serious question what goes into the process of writing your articles for vintage uh yeah that's uh, that's a good question um so um it's pretty straightforward um when it comes to writing um you have your your story topic right um so um whether whatever it is whether it's an interview or uh, a list or or anything like that uh, you, you have basically you just got to set out what's most important first right what do i need to, to get across uh how can i draw the attention of the reader um, and all that. So whether that's getting in touch with uh, your your sources, or if it's you know an opinion piece, um, lining up what you feel like are the most important points that you want to get across first, um, and then just sitting down and, and um, organizing everything into a coherent story, and then rewriting it, and then rewriting it, and rewriting it again. Um, uh, you know, obviously the first time your first draft isn't probably going to be um, readable. Uh, at least for me, it's hard to kind of the hardest part for me, I think is just realizing that, you know, I can't get it right on the first try. So um, I think, you know, just uh, trying to get in touch with as many people as, as you can also is important. Um, you know, if we're doing a story on a certain team or a, um, a certain point of history in, in, in soccer, you know, you want to get um, good sources. Uh, that's always important. Um, and just making sure that uh, you fact check and, and get all the details you want people sending you messages like hey man like you messed this up i know that's happened to me before um where you know it's embarrassing to have to, to go back and correct things but um you know you got to do what you got to do um so you know the writing process is you know it's it's when, when it comes down to it it's just getting it done and, and and figuring out you know what the best way to tell the story is and um uh, how you can attract the uh, the reader into not you know uh, backing out after a couple of uh, uh, sentences. I mean, I've recently won a writing competition, a history writing competition. Oh, so look at you! Urban Urban Pitch is going to be calling soon. <laughs> well, send, hey, send well, do me a favor, send me your resume, send me some writing samples. We'll see, we'll see what we can do. I haven't been writing that much uh, anyway. <laughs> so, um. So football kits, obviously, you you have uh, I, I bet you have a good collection. But how much do you think football kits add to the culture of American soccer or American football? Yeah, yeah. So 
um, I think that the, the coolest part about jerseys, um, soccer jerseys in specific, um, is um, just how, how I guess, wearable they are. You know, like you can you can wear it out. You can work out in it. You can, um, you know, it's, they're comfortable. They, they, they don't look, I mean, like a basketball Jersey, you know, it doesn't have sleeves. You can't really wear that in all, uh, uh, I don't know, like for me, like going sleeveless, like it's just, you know, a personal choice. Like I wouldn't do it. Um, but, um, I think when it comes to the, the soccer culture, you see a lot of, a lot of U S based clubs, um, and collectives now with amazing designs. I mean, uh, Providence City FC is, is the first one that comes to mind. Um, just the amount of stuff that they've done and uh, just the quality that they consistently come out with is, is incredible. And uh, I think they're starting to get a lot of, a lot of traction. Uh, Gorilla FC is another one um, that's kind of expanded overseas as well. Um, but I mean, just getting creative people in a space to where they can um, uh, express themselves and, and, and put themselves out through a shirt. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's really cool what, what they, they're able to do. And um, I mean, even Icarus, who we partnered with for the jersey, I mean, some of the designs that they do are, are, are insane. So I think um, the more soccer culture uh, kind of permeates into America, the more cool stuff you'll see. And um, you obviously worry about it becoming oversaturated, but until we get to that point, um, uh, you know, we don't have to, I, I don't think it's something that uh, should be on the like a con, a conscious uh, um, uh, concern for, for, for us. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I think um, jerseys play a big role because I mean, you wear a jersey or you wear something that looks cool on the street. People, you know, ask like, oh, what is that? You know, and then you can explain to them. And so it's kind of like a word of mouth thing um, that can, um, you know, it might not be the most effective way to spread soccer, um, soccer culture, but it's, it's, you know, a way to do it. And I think we have a lot of great people in the, around the country that are, are doing really cool things. Um, yeah. Well, my little brother was wearing a United Jersey. He's mm -hmm. like, he's about the time he's probably eight or maybe seven. He was just, rock, he's rocking United Jersey and had, you know, big Chevrolet on it. Yeah, and somebody yeah, goes up to yeah. him and be like, Chevrolet, why are you wearing a Chevrolet shirt? He's like, yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, the sponsors are big are a big thing, right? Because, I mean, you're essentially a walking billboard for whatever company is sponsor, especially for clubs like Manchester United or, or Juventus, which have those gigantic sponsors that smack dab, you know. So, I think the Chevrolet and Man U uh, partnership, it's hard to, you know, they've had a couple of cool designs, but in terms of wearing it, it just looks like, you know, the, the Manchester United. Uh, crest is just so small compared to the Chevy shirt uh, or Chevy logo that, you know, it does look like a Chev Chevrolet uh, t-shirt. So um, I think, um, you know, I get why sponsors are important, obviously from a business perspective and what it does for the exposure to uh, uh, international markets for, for those companies. But um, that's not to say that, that it's, it's all, it's all bad. I think there's some, you know, like uh, a PSV and Philips, who, who's uh, they just ended their partnership a couple of years ago, but they had a stake in the team, uh, I think, um, which is why they had such a long ongoing partnership. So I think if they can in, in, uh, integrate the sponsor onto the shirt the right way and, and in a way that doesn't detract from the shirt itself, it's cool. But, um, you know, I also am not mad at um, uh, sponsored less jerseys and even like the old MLS 
uh, jerseys from the nineties, which had, you know, the galaxy logo across where the sponsor would be or, you know, DC United or, or, or whatever uh, club it was. I think, you know, those are really, really, really cool because, um, you know, it shows, it's, it puts the team first, first and foremost, not the, not the brand. So, um, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I think, um, you know, there's not much you could do. I think Roma a couple of years ago rolled out with the sponsorless Jersey. Um, a couple of NISA teams have some sponsorless kits, but, uh, um, I mean, you know, teams are going to want their money and, and money is money. So, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to, to out, out, outlaw sponsors on Jersey. So I think, uh, as long as they're done right and, uh, they can kind of integrate it to the shirt somehow, whether it's part of the design or it doesn't clash in, in the color scheme, you know, uh, there's a lot of ways you can get creative with it. Cool. Sponsors, well, have you heard about the Gazprom Schalke story? Where so Gazprom is a Russian owned like mm-hmm. government company mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they wanted to build a pipeline, a gas pipeline because Gazprom's an oil company owned by yeah. the I guess, Russian government. And they want to build a okay. pipeline to Schalke, which is I guess the one of the leading energy, coal, and I guess places okay. in the in Europe. So they wanted to build a gas line to it. So they sponsored they sponsored Schalke, and so you know, I mean, I I didn't actually I actually didn't know about that. But yeah. um, that's interesting when you start getting into um, kind of the more political things of um, business, and um, you know, we'll, we'll scratch your back if you scratch ours and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely dubious, especially um, with you know, like PSG and some of the other, uh, I, guess, I guess not PSG anymore, but um, uh, some of the Emirates sponsored clubs, uh, you know, there's a lot of controversy with um, some of the ethics with the, the, the business uh, that, that's going on with those companies, um, whether they're, um, uh, there's corruption or they're, they're not paying their workers fair wages and you don't want to, um, you don't want to advocate for a, uh, a brand like that. And, you know, it just so happens that you're an Arsenal fan or whatever. And, uh, you know, you're, you're proudly wearing fly Emirates on your shirt. Um, so I can get why, you know, people are not going to want to buy a Jersey with that sponsor on it because they don't stand for the ideals that, uh, that brand um, um, stands for, or uh, some of the, the practices that they do. So um, that's another kind of ethical um um, issue with being a, a soccer fan and, and football jerseys in, in, in general. So that's that's a whole other thing that you can get into uh, as well. Um, so so how do you come up with the topics for your articles? Do you just like scroll IG? Do you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm constantly. You know, we have a team. We have a whole team of, of writers, and we, we do brainstorm session um, every week. And so you know, it's it's um, social media. You know what, what's going on in the news. Um, some of it is, you know, if they're huge, uh, like, uh, we have a guy, Steve Gray in the United Kingdom, who's a big, uh, Wacom Wanderers fan and they won promotion to, uh, uh league one, uh, or the championship. They, they won prank, uh, promotion from cha- uh, league one to the championship, um, a couple weeks ago. So he did a story about just kind of, uh, what it was like being a Wacom fan, um, uh, over the years, I've had such, such a small club. Um, was able to, to kind of overcome a lot of adversity and, and get into the, the second highest uh, 
you know, uh, uh, competition in, in, in Great Britain or in the, uh, in England. So I think, um, it's just, we, there's so much topics that we can cover, um, just based on, you know, how we're, uh, uh focused as a site that, you know, I'm always open to new pitches. Sometimes people, uh, like freelancers will come and pitch, pitch stories to me and, so it's all about just, you know, if it fits in with the site and if it's an interesting story, then, you know, we'll, uh, we'll run with it. So, um, but yeah, a lot of it comes from social media. A lot of it comes from um, press releases. A lot of it comes from just what's going on um, on a day-to-day uh, uh, basis. So, um, you know, it's, it's nice to, to be able to, to kind of do such a large amount of uh, different stories. So if there's one thing that, one thing that you'd want to see or like a company to come in to the soccer, I guess, streetwear or soccer company brands, what yeah. would it be? That's a good question. So, like, what kind of lifestyle brand or, or anything what, like that? Like, what kind of idea, like a, like a soccer brand of – I know there's a soccer brand of, like, hip-hop culture and soccer yeah. culture, Killer Villa. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like a – I guess, like a fusion of – Fusion of a different culture or yeah. I guess idea with soccer streetwear, what would it be? Damn, you're putting me on the spot. Um, I think um, we've kind of seen it. Um, I, I'm, I'm big into sneakers. Um, so I think uh, anytime, you know, PSG's got a couple of their own Air Jordans. Um, I think I just saw um, – uh, their own Air Jordan 4 that's that's coming out um, soon. I don't know when. But um, – and then you have Nike, who's supposedly running the third kits this year, um, inspired by some of their um, iconic sneakers. So I think anytime you can get sneakers in, in uh, soccer um, combined together, that's uh, – I think that'll be – there's a lot of possibilities there. Um, I think I saw – someone on, on social media uh, asking for like the old uh, Ronaldo Mercurials with like the uh, blue and silver and gold um, upper and just take that upper and put a Air Max 97 bottom on it. I think that's you know, an incredible idea. Um, so I think, you know, it, it might be generic or, or I mean, not generic, but um, um, just generalized. But I think anytime we can get like uh, some cool sneaker ideas that are inspired by soccer, um, it's only only good things come out of that. Okay. Um, so, what is one thing that American sports can teach European football? So, I mean, like the big American sports, like football, baseball, basketball. Yeah. Um. What's one thing that they could teach? Because I mean, people, um, people the say, other way. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. People say that. Uh, like your European football can teach so much to American sports. So like what can yeah. American sports bring to European football? I don't know, because I think it's like, um, there's a lot of different ideals when it comes to American sports versus uh, European sports. Um, the, the, the first, I mean, the obvious, most obvious one is, is just the way that the leagues are set up and the money. Um, uh, so that's why, you know, MLS is a closed system, um, because the owners don't want to risk, uh, being demoted and, uh, the owners kind of run the league. 
whereas in, in Europe, it's it's uh, it's not like that. And that's why you have, you know, promotion relegation and stuff. Um, but the other way around, that's a good question. Um, I think... Um, I think I like uh, I one thing that kind of I don't know if it bothers me or upsets me is that um, like you have like actual team names in the U.S. like well, the L.A. Lakers or uh, you know New York Yankees or um, you know whatever like even the L.A. Galaxy. Whereas in uh, the U.K. it's or in, in Europe, I mean, it's just like Arsenal or Manchester United or I think. Uh, they have their own nicknames, right? I mean, you have uh, uh, Gunners um, uh, and and the Reds and um, the Devils and everything and all that stuff. But I don't know. If you put me on the spot, I think that's one thing that I think uh, could be implemented. Um, maybe um, some it's like using utilizing music in in the uh, arena a little bit more kind of like how baseball has you know walk-up songs that i saw a couple uh months ago that the prem was thinking of doing you know sub walkout songs or and goal scoring celebration songs um so i think that, i mean using music in the arena is is a, is a huge thing that i think um, american uh american sports teams do pretty well that uh, I think uh, European sports can, can do as well, um, can, can learn from. But I think, like you said, uh, it, it, it might be the other way around where U.S. has more to learn from Europe than the other way around. But So you said, you said that they're going to do goal celebration songs. They're going to go like Fortnite on us? Um, I, I, honestly, I don't know because I, I don't know if, they even, if, they, if they've even meant, implemented it. But yeah, so like basically if whatever, if um, uh, Paul Pogba scores a goal, he has his own song that, that plays oh. afterwards so that he can do a little whatever celebration thing for. Or if someone gets brought on, they have like a walkout song, kind of like how a boxer has his or uh, a baseball player has their own, yeah. um, which I think is probably the like the, the coolest thing about baseball because, I mean, let's face it, I, I play baseball, I love baseball my whole life, but it's, I mean, there's nothing cool about it. Um, besides having that walk-up song and being able to kind of express yourself through that. Um, but because, I mean, they, they, they want to suppress any, any type of fun that you have, you know, you, you show any type of enjoyment, whether it's running the bases or, or on the mound, it's like they're, they're encouraged to, to shut you up. Right. So that's a whole nother thing though, that I'm <laughs> kind of getting into and starting to, to rave and rant about, but um, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, something that Euro, Euro teams can, can take from us. I mean, baseball players, MLB players are way more swaggy than MLS players. I'll tell you that. Um, I I wouldn't disagree with you there. I think um, uh, because it's so like the culture of baseball, it's it's like keep your head down, act like you've been there before. That uh, when you do have a player who like just pimps a home run or uh, makes a great play and then kind of it's a lot more understated than, um, than something like in the MLS. So, I mean, and I mean, that's nothing, that's not to take away anything from, from MLS players, but I mean, when your adrenaline and your energy is so high, it's, it's hard, it's easy to be dorky, you know, like, you know, you lose all control of yourself. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, you open the doors to, to be vulnerable and, and to be made fun of. But I mean, you know, I mean, that's, um, 
that's that's part of the culture of the game right and and in baseball it's it's so they put you down for stuff like that so i'd rather it i'd honestly rather it have be as open as mls but you take what you take that negative of you know like you score a goal and you're, you're going to do a crazy celebration you might look a little uh a nerdy or whatever but um you know, it makes up for just being able to express yourself. I'd rather have it that way than, than it is in baseball where, you know, you have these guys that are so, you know, like not repressed, but like holding in their emotions at all times that when they do show that little bit, you know, it's like, Oh my God, that was so cool. You know? So I'd rather it be the other way. Um, is there any like soccer specific brand that you think deserves a little bit more credit than what's been given? Like, yeah. Yeah. Out? I think, um, yeah, so um, obviously Umbro uh, is, I mean, they've been around forever. Um, they don't really get, like, the uh, the recognition that, you know, Nike or Adidas gets. Um, uh, I think Nike sold them a couple of years ago, which kind of um, hurt their uh, stock a little bit. But some of the jerseys that they've come out with, um, I think Phil Delves has a whole episode of what they've done in oh, man. In, in Brazil, it's 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 awesome. Um, uh, so I think Umbro deserves a little bit more love. Um, and then, I mean, this might seem kind of counterintuitive, but Puma. I think obviously Puma's huge; they're massive. But the jerseys that they've come out with this year, I think, are on par or better than Nike and Adidas. Um, so I think Adidas, especially. I think Adidas is kind of taking a step back. Um, but, you know, the, the Italy kits that they came out with, um, I think it was last year, they had like that peacock green, um, the um, uh, Marseille jerseys, uh, that whole set was great. They, they did a Valencia release, I think yesterday or the day before. That's just awesome. So like the, I think they're kind of taking um, into account a lot more details. They're being a lot more detail oriented and you can tell kind of in the designs where um, it's not just a generic, you know, solid white shirt with a sponsor and a crest on it anymore. It's they're they're starting to take a little bit more stock into how they're designing their jerseys. So I think they deserve a little bit of um, of um, uh, more love for that. Phil Phil Dave Dave Delves Dave's Phil Dave's right? I think it's Delves or Dave. I don't know. Delves. It's it's spelled D E L V E S. I don't know. I don't. Oh. I actually don't know how he pronounces his, it. His podcast is pretty pretty good though. He, he needs to come yeah. on the show. He he's already been on Urban Pitch. Yeah. 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 You should uh, you should hit him up. Uh, he's he's a great guy. He's a great dude. Um, obviously knows a lot about jerseys. He's real passionate about his stuff, and he's he's balling up, man. He's he's getting gigs left and right. Um, so uh, he's really really uh, knowledgeable and uh, loves his loves his soccer shirts. Yeah, for sure. So, um, this might be the last little topic we have. So, okay. um, uh, do you think, how do you like about sports teams getting uh, all political? Like, European teams seem to get a little mm -hmm. bit more political than the United States. I have mm -hmm. every United States sports team. Um, you've seen it with even some, uh, there's like, a, there's a Christian USL, I think maybe one or two team that's like all Christian. I think in, um, what is it? Uh, the uh, third league of uh, England, there's a all vegan team. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Do you think that's good? Or do you think that sports should be separate from politics and stuff like that? Yeah, so so that's obviously a tricky, a tricky uh, topic, I think. 
um, the players should have the freedom to express themselves. Freedom of expression is a basic right. And, um, you know, having players, whether it's taking a knee, um, wearing a jersey or uh, a, a protest celebration um, in protest of, um, you know, we've seen it with police brutality here in the U.S., um, racism across the world. Um, I think there's a lot of people who think that, you know, a sport should be an escape from, from the um, trials and tribulations of daily life. Um, but, I mean, I think when you have that spotlight and when you have uh, the audience that some of these athletes do, that there is a, that comes with responsibility, right? Um, and gone are the days of being able to just kind of keep your mouth shut and, and, and go about your, your business day to day because people, whether you like it or not, you're, you're being looked at as a role model. And um, I think now with social media and with just the, the, the growth of sport, and I mean, everyone, almost everyone is a sports fan now. So everyone knows who LeBron James is. Everyone knows who, you know, um, Ronaldo and, and Messi are. So um, the onus is on the players to, to kind of take that uh, stance and make that stand. Um, and I think, but at the same time, you want there to be a kind of an open uh, discussion and you don't want it to be like, oh, this guy isn't saying anything. He must be against it. You know, I think you, you should have the choice to, to be um, silent and to, to not maybe be as expressive as some of these other people are. But at the same time, when you're pressed about it, you have to be able to back yourself up, right? I'm, I'm being silent because, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not just because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a racist or, you know, I, I, I approve of police brutality. Um, so I think that especially now with, with everything just being so convergent and um, uh, this, this, the 24-7 spotlight of, of athletes as stars, um, they deserve, I mean, they, they should be able to, you know, speak on these issues and, and topics without being, you know, silenced by whether it's a team owner. I think the WNBA, um, I think it was the Chicago WNBA, um, uh, I think it was them, but they, I mean, WNBA players have, have been, you know, take a look at what Maya Moore has done over, over the years. Um, they, uh, they've been speaking out against, um, you know, issues that, that matter to them. And when you have that platform and you have that, um, um, a spotlight on you, you should, like there's a responsibility to do that. So, um, you know, I'm all for player empowerment. I'm all for, you know, people speaking out. Um, but that doesn't mean that yeah, you have to do it, you know? So just as long as the, the, the uh, everything is open for discussion and it's not like uh, one guy speaks out his mind that happens to be against the majority, he gets, you know, blacklisted and, and thrown out of the league and nobody wants him. So, you know, it, it just needs to be done in a way where everyone can um, can uh, benefit and not gang up on, on each other when, when it comes to politics, because you know, it's obviously a deeply personal thing to, to, to speak about. Um, so as long as, as you're doing it and you're, you're speaking your mind and you're not being, uh, you're being open-minded about, about things, um, you know, go for it and, and do it. That's just my, my humble opinion. Um, so also something like with clubs, like, the like Chivas, Chivas, the me, the Mexican team, and Lia and Mekes, Lia and Mex, mm -hmm. um, they only they only let Mexican players of like I guess you have to like yeah you yeah, can't play yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like there's you have to be Mexican born or of Mexican heritage to yeah. be on the team, right? Yeah. Like one player, he had to give up playing for the national team so he could play on Chivas USA. And that's something I don't really like because it seems it's almost like a cult-like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, and it's it's it hurts the team more than it uh, it, it it helps them uh, when you only want to be a team of of whatever Mexican born or uh, Mexican heritage or, you know. I think um, I understand. You know, you want to maintain a culture and a tradition, um, and your team. I mean, that's one of the more prominent Liga MX teams. Um, but at the same time, that hurts you more than it, than, than it helps you. And at a certain point, you have to realize, like, the game has gone global. It's not like, um, you know, years past where most uh, domestic stars play in the domestic league. Um, so there's a good chance that you're going to get, you know, whether it's uh, uh, someone from South America, someone from Europe, someone from Asia, um, come and be able to help your team win uh, championships, which is, you know, the – which, which should be the overall goal for every team, which, um, you know, may or may not be. But um, I think when you get into a situation where a team becomes um, authoritarian to, to that point, um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. I think uh, you mentioned there's an all-vegan team. I, I think um, – uh, I'm trying to think of the name. It's we did a story – yeah, Green Forest Rovers, right? Yeah. Green Forest Rovers, right? Yeah, so they're um, vegan in, in, in their team sense. They're not forcing their players to yeah. go vegan, but a lot of them have switched because, you know, they love the, how it makes them feel. So I think when, when it's done like that, that's, that's great. You know, your team has an identity. They're, they're trying to put it forth on uh, the players, but they're not forcing them to do it. Yeah. So I think that's the right way to do it. But when you're forcing a team to only sign – you know, certain uh, uh, players of certain heritage, uh, that gets a little dicey, in, in my opinion. Um, but I mean, that's it's their prerogative to do that, and um, you know, in, in the long run, it's going to hurt them more than it's going to help them. So, um, you know, they're obviously private businesses and entities that they can they can do whatever they want. But um, you know, if I'm if I'm running them, I, I might might change things up a little, a little bit. All right. So that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you for coming on the show. Everybody, go uh, read some of his articles at Urban Pitch. Follow him on Instagram. Um, also, for our channel as well, get, uh, like us, subscribe, go watch us on YouTube, and then go watch us on Spotify again. Um, also, check out me and my friends' podcast. Um, thank you guys for watching. Have a nice day, I guess.